Welcome to the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Barrier Breakdown. My name is Erin Mullen bailey I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and my co-host, Dr. Kevin Caridad, who is the CEO and owner at Cognitive Behavior Institute. This week, we are discussing social media therapists, and we are joined by Kelsey Weekman, who is a reporter for BuzzFeed News covering all things internet culture. Her goal is to tap into every genre of influencers and look at how they impact our everyday lives. So uh, Kelsey, thank you so much for being here with us today on The Barrier Breakdown. Uh, It's great to have you. And I'd like to kind of start chatting about what got you interested in researching uh, therapists on social media. Sure, hi, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I noticed, especially at the early stages of the pandemic that I was starting to see a lot of social media graphics on Instagram, a lot of TikTok therapists pop up everywhere. Um, At first, immediately I thought, okay, this is great. Access to what can be really expensive and hard to get your hands on. Um, Exposure to something that uh, you might not even have thought you needed. Um, I, I just started seeing these therapists all over the place. And um, as is kind of my nature, when something is blowing up on social media, I had to say, okay, is there something funky going on here? Is there something suspicious? Is there something um, that's getting kind of warped in its messaging through the medium? Um, And so, yeah, it began many, many years ago, but then I was actually listening to another podcast. It's hosted by an author named Amanda Montel. It's called Sounds Like a Cult. Um, which is a very dramatic name for a very wonderful and thoughtful podcast about how different things in our lives have um, kind of in a surprising amount of influence over us. So it can be, you know, like anything from the um, clothes we wear to the people we follow on social media. And I heard her mention social media therapists is kind of something that can potentially have like almost a cult-like influence over people. And of course, that was very dramatic. Um, the word cult has a lot of negative connotations that, that kind of surround it for good reason. Um, but I really wanted to dig in into how that could go wrong and how um, things can be a little a little fishy if they're not, you know, examined in the ways that um, people are naturally examining things they see on social media. So that's kind of how it started. So what did you come to find as far as, uh, you know, the presence of therapists in social media? What, what, what were you seeing? Well, it's first and foremost, it's a great thing to be able to bring a lot of the principles that they are bringing to people, you know, how to manage anxiety, how to manage depression, how to deal with being just battered by bad news all the time, things like that that are very applicable to wide swaths of people I found was extremely helpful. I also found that sometimes therapists tend to speak about really specific and really intense things that you, it's the reason why therapy can get, you know, expensive and intense and all the things that kind of keep people away from it. Those nuances I found are are necessary um, to get proper therapy. And sometimes when you're speaking to an audience of millions of people they're kind of getting lost in translation so you have things like 
the term gaslighting becoming so common that it barely means anything. The same for the words trauma response or love bombing and stuff like that. So it goes from being, I think I might be in an abusive relationship. Here are words for what I'm experiencing to this random guy on TikTok is love bombing everyone. And, and it was, I noticed it sort of um, becoming so popular that it almost seemed meaningless. Um, and it was making people have a very dramatic reaction that then was kind of like genuinely putting their normal personal lives potentially at jeopardy because they're, were getting so worked up and kind of radicalized by the, um, uh, the echo chamber that is the algorithm. Once you start watching a whole lot of stuff like this, you kind of can lose track of reality. So I hear you kind of the fear is one is that it kind of desensitizes people to really yeah. what is the where when do you get help? What should you get help to kind of not normal but nuances of relationships, whether it be personal, professional, otherwise, in the interactions where maybe magnifying it is one. But the right. other one I hear you saying is that some people may be uh, not getting the help that they need that should have or right. uh, and interacting uh, in a way that's not not best for them. And you and can you give you, you have to you find any examples of where that actually happened? Uh, yeah, I can't. I unfortunately I can't call people out by name because, sure, uh, sure. you know, I have to protect my my sources and, and such. But I, I have countless examples of people saying, OK, I was using this as a resource and then they became my therapist. You know, you've got the same problem that we have with celebrities and other influencers. You have that parasocial relationship where you start to feel like you're close with someone who actually maybe doesn't really know who you are. Um, and you start really trusting them and putting a lot of emotion into your relationship. Even if you're not thinking about it, even if you're not saying, okay, this therapist just posted, gotta do whatever she says, like you then begin kind of, you can kind of filter your uh, opinions and thoughts about the world through what you think they might be thinking because you see them as this authority and because they're being so generic. Like it's, sometimes it can be like astrology where it's like, okay, yeah, I am really outgoing. I must be a Gemini or, you know, I, I do get really anxious when I'm around this certain thing. It must be a trauma response. Like things just kind of start to lose meaning. Um, and of course, you know, the initial exposure to these terms can be like super helpful, but that is definitely where it goes wrong. Well, what do you, do you see any difference in say if someone going on ABC, NBC, like TV live and kind of being interviewed versus on social media, obviously the intensity, frequency, duration is different. And, uh, and so what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. And it, it feels more authentic. It feels like you kind of know the person if they're, you know, hopping on TikTok, doing a recording where they might not look perfect. They might not be perfectly edited and packaged the way that we see people on TV. And we, you know, we're still obviously influenced by people like Dr. Phil and, you know, other like celebrity mental health experts, you know, however, if you actually want to call them a mental health expert, that's, you know, uh, kind of up, up for grabs. But um, the, it, it just people, it's easier to develop a relationship with someone who's like living in your phone and who looks like you and who talks like you and who participates in trends like you. Um, it's kind of, it just becomes so personal. It's easy to form a relationship that way. It, it feels like it's a, a peer maybe and not as, as much of a um, like expert, but at the same time. No, I hear you. You don't have that ongoing, very unique, tailored 
uh, professional yeah. experience with someone. One of the things you mentioned with Dr. Phil, I think is one of the concerns I've always had with Dr. Phil is I think he's very good at what he does, obviously, but he makes it look easy, right? In 30 right. minutes, right? So it's like you do this without any understanding the work, uh, the discomfort, pain, and just effort that individuals have to do to put into it. It's just, it's not taking a medication. It's really looking to repair things. So I get that where very sim in a similar way, uh, when you can bombarded with kind of just these two minute clips or or phrases or on on Instagram or what have you, that's that's not the way to go about treating yourself. It's more about right. oh awareness. Let me go get a professional, see what the deal is. Yeah, it can yeah, become very easily. Yeah, yeah, and that one sided relationship. Um, there's a lot of things in therapy that uh, even through my own experience, I know that others will. Uh, bring up to you or change the way you're thinking or explore, you know, boundaries. And when you're, when you're not getting that uh, insight or Kevin, that evidence-based practice and things of that nature, that can, you know, you end up having conversations with yourself in your head and one-on-one, -on -one, uh, which doesn't bring that viewpoint that is very, uh, very eye-opening and can be, you know, sought out for the reason for seeking therapy. That's an interesting point. One of the things with evidence-based practice, my dissertation looked at in graduate school, it was published 2014, but what it looked at is how evidence-based practice is taught in psychology schools, counseling schools, social work schools. And actually at the time, only 50% of the schools were teaching evidence-based practice and then even less so with specific to diagnosis. So if you think that's not that long ago, you know, what kind of information is being put out there? Uh, you know, I think from a therapist, as I sit here talking, I wonder what ethical conversations are ha are being had about, you know, how do you put that information out in the masses where someone may misinterpret it and doing more harm than that. And I don't know if that will be, but I think that's a conversation uh, that this kind of article stimulated in, in, in myself uh, to think about. Or what, what about even in the future, Kevin, as time evolves, you know, will there, will there be a course one day in grad school about uh, ethics and social media with being you know, a clinician? Um, is that something that potentially will will grow as time evolves? Yeah, I, I, I could see the need for it. For sure. Uh, that, was, that was something that we talked a lot, my, my therapist sources and I talked a lot about, is that some of them were, you know, very upfront and saying, I'm not your therapist. I am here to provide knowledge and, you know, I can help you find resources and stuff like that, but I'm not your therapist. But others didn't even think about that didn't even cross their minds because they said, okay, well, here's a great way for me to uh, help people and make a little bit more money with a lot easier. I don't have to burn out. I don't have to pour myself into someone. Um, so they saw the opportunity and kind of, you know, it, it's not like they didn't think about it or they, they did it, you know, they were ignoring it. It's like, it, it just never even crossed their minds. They didn't learn that in school. Yeah. And for, for therapists out there who may be listening, um, who want to have or do have a social media presence, what was kind of the biggest piece of advice from your, your licensed therapist sources who, who you spoke with? Definitely to be as careful and ethical as possible that the, in the relationships that even it's funny because I say relationships, a you don't think of a follower as someone who has a relationship with you, but they do. It's just, it could be potentially be one-sided. So I think- The idea is like defining, you know, that it's not a clinical relationship. This is really yeah. just education to put out, to use, to make further decisions, but not any self-reflection on being, as that a treatment modality? An assessment, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, thinking carefully about how that can get twisted and, you know, paying, paying attention even to the comments, even just doing a quick check and seeing how people are responding to you, if they're really taking you at your word, it seems like, 
people are, are using you to find resources or if people are just hanging on your every word. Like that is a very important thing for people who have a platform to do, but at the same time, they we need to be doing everything possible kind of across the board to make sure that the audience members, that the people who need help and that are interested in these resources are questioning everything. And if they think that they are in a serious, dangerous situation, making it really easy to find a way to reach out to someone. I mean, another really great thing that, that social media therapists do is decrease the stigma of needing help. Um, and I know I don't have to tell you guys this, but it can be so hard to take that first step. It can take forever. Yeah. And so, you know, being exposed to it can in some ways be a good thing. It can say, okay, I'm seeing this therapist a lot. What if I had my own who can actually speak to me? So on the therapist side, making sure to encourage actual in-person interaction as much as possible. And on the audience side saying, I need to be, I need to be questioning my relationship with people who don't actually know me and who aren't actually working with me. Um, it's kind of a two-way fix in that part, but I'm really hopeful that it can be a good, a net good, a way better thing than it is a dangerous thing. I just am aware it could be quite bad if people don't, don't dig into it. No, this is very thought-provoking. I'm thinking about maybe looking or creating a, an education uh, uh, to address this for the, on the therapist side, because I think it's important. There's a lot as we move forward in the pandemic kind of blurred lines at times because everybody was virtual and it wasn't in a physical office where it was much easier to see the physical boundaries. It's harder. Right. Absolutely. Well, Kelsey, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today and, and sharing uh, this article with us. It was it was really wonderful. And we know that uh, any of our listeners can find it on BuzzFeed uh, if they would like to read it. And we appreciate your time today. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Always come to me if you have a question about an influencer. I'm, I'm always encouraging people to kind of question what information they're getting and how they are influenced. Awesome. We'll keep that in mind in the future. We hope to have you back again sometime. Yeah. All right. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of The Barrier Breakdown. We will see you all again soon. Stay safe and healthy. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. Listeners can find all of our episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. For more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events, check out our website, cbicenterforeducation.com, our Facebook pages, Cognitive Behavior Institute, and CBI Center for Education, as well as our Instagram at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and our Twitter at CBI underscore Pittsburgh. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We hope you'll tune in for another guest next week.